Turn with me to 1 Kings and chapter number 3. 1 Kings and chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. Well, I made it out of 1 and 2 Samuel. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed so much the study of uh, David's life. And, <clears throat> and uh, praise the Lord for the lessons that he's given us. Uh, from from David's life. And that's sweet the way the message is. Can I brag on my own sermon this morning? <laughs> uh, I want to brag on the Lord. Wasn't that sweet the way God showed David that about the, the nation of Israel and uh, and his destiny on into eternity? Isn't that great? Amen. And uh, David's family has significance and, um, in his day and time and uh, on into the millennial kingdom. Thank God for that. Amen. And uh, there's a work for all of us to do that will impact eternity as well. So, praise the Lord. I'm still excited about this morning's message. Excited about tonight's message, too. First, uh, First Kings, rather, chapter number 3. First Kings, chapter number 3. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of the Word of God? You'll recognize this passage. This is the prayer of uh, Solomon. He's 21 years of age in this portion of Scripture. Hey, just think about it. Who's 21? Raise your hand if you're 21. You know what, 21? Brother Jeff. Yes, sir. All right. It's actually, that's right. That's right. That, let's see. Anyway, anybody 21? Is this going to close with <laughs> All right. How about uh, tw- anybody 20? 20? Uh, all right. All right. Becca's 20. All right. Any 22-year-olds? Any 22-year-olds? All right. All right. Gunter's 22. Let's see. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, got a couple more ladies, 22. All right. God bless you. All right. So there we go. And uh, uh, can you imagine putting one of these folks in charge of this? Oh, my, never mind. Uh, but uh, imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment the kind of responsibility laid on the shoulders of a 21-year-old young man. 21-year-old young man. That's an amazing portion of Scripture. And um, it gives some insight uh, to us, no doubt, of why God uh, chose uh, Solomon. We spoke last Sunday night, of course, about why God... That's Sunday why God used David. And uh, tonight, let's read the story. We're in verse number 3, verse number 3 of 1 Kings in chapter 3. And, uh, and uh, let, let's, uh, let me uh, uh, begin in verse number 3. You join me on verse number 4, and we'll continue all the way through verse number 14. I'll begin with verse 3. You join me on verse 4 and so forth. We'll read responsibly and close on verse 14. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant, David my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. 
And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. In the account of this exchange with God uh, recorded in the Chronicles, it uses the words wisdom and understanding that Solomon asked for wisdom and understanding. And the wording is beautiful here in verse number 9. His prayer, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge. The word judge there makes means to make decisions, to make decisions. And Solomon said, I've got to make a lot of decisions. I'm 21 years old. Do you imagine the number of decisions that would come to, to, to the king of a great nation like Israel? And here's a 21-year-old young man, and now he's got to make all these decisions. And uh, But he was wise enough to seek the Lord for an understanding heart. I want to speak to you very practical tonight. I'm not going to preach real hard. But I just want to give you about four or five or ten or twelve. About four or five simple things about making good decisions. Making good decisions. Heavenly Father, please through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me as I seek to help your people. And may uh, the things that we learn be of practical application and practical help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Uh, It has been said, you make your choices, and your choices make you. You make your choices, and your choices make you. You get to decide, but you don't get to decide the consequences of your decisions. When you make a choice, you have to bear the consequences of those choices and of those decisions. And you can't say, well, you know what, I want to do over. Uh, uh, Life goes on, does it not? And uh, and how important it is that we be able to make good decisions. Uh, Solomon at 21 felt the weight of this responsibility. And he said, I need an understanding heart to judge, to, to make judgment calls. Uh, an understanding, I, I, I've got decisions to make. And, uh, and uh, how wise he was in this regard. Uh, some wonderful things about Solomon that are not part of this particular outline, but notice in verse number 3, Solomon loved the Lord. He had a heart for God. What kind of young man at 21 gets a blank check from God and, says, and God says, you can have anything you want. And he doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for health. He doesn't ask for, to conquer his enemies. 
He said, give me an understanding heart. It's quite a young man. It's a man with a heart for God. Where did he learn that from? He learned it from his dad, didn't he? He learned it from his dad. He loved the Lord. He's a grateful young man. We find that in verse number 6. Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. According as he walked before thee in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness. He said, God, you're such a great God. So merciful. You've been so kind to me. How I many of you can say tonight, God's been so kind to me. God's been, you know, the Bible, the New Testament said that, said this, he's kind to the unthankful. You say, why is God kind? That's just who he is. I remember saying in front of Dr. Williams one time, God's so good. He said, yeah, he just can't help himself. <laughs> That's just what he does. God's just kind. He's just a kind person. And he's a kind God, a capital P person. Amen. He's kind and he's good. And uh, Solomon recognized that. And, and he's, so, and he's so, so grateful, so grateful. But look at verse number 7. Let me give the first thought tonight. He said, And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant instead of David, my father, and uh, king, uh, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. Boy, that sort of sounds like this morning's text, doesn't it? Who am I? That's the spirit his father had. Here's the first thing. You want to make good decisions, you know what you need? Number one, a humble spirit. A humble spirit. A humble spirit. He said, I'm but a little child. He said, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. He said, uh, I, I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. Uh, can I tell you something? Uh, if if uh, The world doesn't need any more know-it-alls. We live in a day and time where uh, people fancy themselves experts. And if you're not an expert, you don't have the right to speak on a subject. Well, let me tell you something. The experts have gotten us a lot of mess. The experts have absolutely done tremendous damage to this nation. And uh, what we need is some folks of a humble spirit. You know, humble people can say, you know what, I made a mistake. Uh, a lack of humility uh, will dig into stupidity. You do something stupid and it's exposed. It says, well, that was stupid. I need to... No! We, we dig in. And we do more stupid. And, uh, and, and you know what? If you want to be a good decision maker, you have to have a humble spirit. A humble spirit. He, he, he said of it in verse number 9. He said, uh, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great uh, people? Who is able... He said, Lord, who's qualified to do such a... He understood the magnitude of the job. And he said, God, who is able, who's qualified, if you will, for a job so great as this? And, and he comes and he has a humble spirit. He said, I feel like a little child. And, uh, and you know what humility says? Humility says this, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. Can I tell you something? There's no one person who knows everything. There's no one person who knows everything. Uh, humility says, I don't have to advertise what I do know. I don't have to advertise what I do know. Uh, can I tell you something? Uh, you don't need to say everything you know. You need to save a little bit. Because what's going to happen is this. If you, if you tell everything you know right off the bat, what's going to happen is you won't be able to resist the temptation to keep on talking. And when you've said everything you know, guess what comes out of your mouth? Next. Something ignorant. Opinion. Hey, don't, don't say everything you know right away. Save a little bit back. The Bible said this in Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And a man who can hold his lips is considered a man of understanding. You know, you could, you could be dumb as a box of rocks. Just keep your mouth shut and just, hmm. 
People are talking, discussing. You just <laughs> don't say anything. People think you're wise. You might be dumb as a box of rocks, but you people think you're wise. Why? Because you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, "Hold your peace." Uh, 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 if you want to make good decisions, first of all, you have to have humble spirit. Say, you know, I don't know everything, and what I do know, I don't have to advertise. I'm not always right. I'm not always right. Now, of course I am. But but most people aren't. <laughs> that was funny. That's where you laugh. I'm not always right. I'm not always right. Look, if, I, if I'm always right, I don't have anything to learn. There's nothing left to learn. I, 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 and, and every one of us, every one of us needs room to grow. Amen. And, and that means a humble spirit says, I'm not always right. And humility says, I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? You'd be wise to leave room for disagreement with others. Because it just might be after a while you found out they were right and you were wrong. Don't, don't, don't. Sometimes we get evangelistic about the wrong things. Now, I'm not saying we should be passionate about the truth. But sometimes we get a little too passionate about our opinions. Or our style. Or our philosophy. Or whatever. And I'm, listen, if you go, however you, you live your life, you ought to believe in what you're doing and, and, and seek wisdom from the Lord. But you know, you ought to make room for somebody else who doesn't, doesn't do it exactly like you. And wisdom, listen, people, people who grow in wisdom and make good decisions, they, they will consider a matter and say, I think this is right. But they, they don't go around saying everybody else has to do exactly the way I do it. You know, sometimes time teaches us things that nothing else can teach. So many, many things I knew so much about until I got to that stage of life. And then I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I did. A humble spirit says, I, I, I'm not always right and I don't have to be right. And I'm willing to be taught. I'm willing to be taught. Proverbs 1, five says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A wise man will hear. I said it the other night on Wednesday night. Say it again. You ought to sit in church where you can hear. You ought to sit in class where you can hear. You ought to sit in chapel where you can hear. If you can't hear, then you need to figure out somewhere to sit. Amen? A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. A humble spirit. A humble spirit. Now let me give you this thought. Look at verse number 9. Give therefore thy servant... An understanding heart. Give. See that first word? Give, 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 give. Do you, listen, do you know the first step to getting something? You have to want it. You have to want it. So you want to make good decisions. Number one, you need a humble spirit. Number two, you need a hungry heart. You need a hungry heart. There's got to be something inside of you. Jesus said this in the, in the Attitudes. He said, blessed are they who what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want to know something inside of you. I want to know what's right. I want to know what's right. Not, not what's socially acceptable. Not what someone else is doing. I want to know what's right. And there's a hunger in those that uh, grow in wisdom. He said, give, 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 give. James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Ask. Ask. Let him ask. And he said, let him ask. He said, God will give it liberally. He'll give you more than you need. He'll give it in liberal portions and he'll never begrudge you for asking. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, but give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You're back again asking for wisdom. God will never do that. 
God will never do that. You come and ask and ask and ask for wisdom. God says, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Here's a man that wants wisdom. Here's a man that's seeking it. Here's a man that's hungry and thirsting for what's right. Proverbs 18.1 said this. Through desire. Listen to that word. Through desire. A man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. A man who wants wisdom has enough sense, first of all, to get away from the fools, to get away from the idiots. And he said, through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh. He's looking for it. Seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Go back to the first pages of the Proverbs and you'll find uh, wisdom can be found. If you search for her as for hid treasure, you can look and search. If somebody told you there was gold and silver in your backyard. I said, you know, uh, I used to, my great-grandparents lived on this property, this house you just bought, and there's some acreage back here. And my grandfather used to tell me that he's got a chest of gold here in the, back, the backyard somewhere. And uh, you say, is that right? Yeah, and it, it, I tried to buy this place, and I found out it was already sold. It just broke my heart. And I'm telling you, you ought to get back there. It's gold in your backyard. That tall, and, I, and, and, and it's back there. And I watched my grandfather bear it, and I know it's there. And, and, and I'm telling you, you know what you'd do? You'd go get you a shovel, and you'd throw it up in the air, and let it hit the ground, boom. And where it landed, you'd dig about two inches and say, well, I guess there's no gold, and you'd give up. Is that what you'd do? Oh, no, that's not what you'd do. You'd dig up that whole backyard, wouldn't you? If it took you a day, if it took you a week, took you a month, took you a year, you'd dig up the whole backyard. You'd search for it. If you believed it was there, you'd search for it. Now, if you didn't believe it was there, then you might, you know, you might, you know, turn over a spade here and turn over a spade there and say, I ain't no gold back here. Let me tell you something, brother. We have a gold mine right here. Amen. (laughs) We have a gold mine right here. A gold mine of wisdom to help you make good decisions in your life. You say, will you give me some advice and counsel? Yes, I'll give you some advice and counsel, but I've got a question before that. Have you been to the book of wisdom? Have you searched for it? Are you hungry for it? Do you want it? Here's a young man. Listen, if, if, if Bill Gates came to you tonight and said, here's a blank check, you can cash it for up to one billion dollars. You can have, you have whatever you want. Oh, what really? Well, Pastor, that's different because he could actually sign a check like that. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know how much that is, but it's more than Bill Gates has got. And I know this, I know it's at least enough where they paved the streets out of gold up there. So it's, it's a pretty significant sum. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. If we really believe it was there, we'd be hungry for it. We'd be hungry for it. Here's a question for us. Do I really want good wisdom? Do I really want help making good decisions? A lot of people don't want, they don't want help making decisions. I don't need anybody's help. And then you're stuck with your own way. The Bible said a foolish man will be filled with his own way. Filled with his own way. Oh, my. Uh, we, we ought to have a humble spirit. I don't know everything. And I need to learn. And, 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 and what I do know, I don't need to make a big deal out of it. I need to be like a sponge. And, and I need to keep a humble spirit. I need to be teachable. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Every man you meet knows something you don't know. Now, you might know. You're going to certainly know some things he doesn't know. But every man you meet knows something you don't know. You know what you ought to do? You ought to look and find out what that man knows that you don't know. Everybody you meet can teach you something. Can teach you something. Because he'll know something you don't know. What do you need to make good decisions? Number one, a humble spirit. Number two, a hungry heart. Number three, a heart to understand. Look what he said in verse number nine. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. You want to make good decisions? You need an understanding heart. A heart to understand. 
Um, Solomon said this, I'm, so, I'm young, I feel like a little child in this, and the responsibility, the way the responsibility hangs heavy upon my heart and upon my mind, and, 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 and I, need, uh, I need a heart to understand the people. I, I, I'm gonna, my decisions will affect the lives of the people, and I didn't grow up like the people, and their experiences are not my experiences, and I need, uh, and I need something that I don't have. I need a heart to understand, look at it, uh, to judge. Give me, give thy servant an understanding heart to, in order to judge, in order to make good decisions. Solomon said, there's no way that I can make good decisions that will affect the lives of others unless I have a supernatural gift from the Lord, a heart of understanding. Now I want you to contrast that. Go back for just a moment to First Kings and the first chapter. First Kings, the first chapter, and I want to, uh, I want to contrast the spirit of Solomon with his older brother. Solomon, uh, uh, as far as uh, being uh, the sons of the sons of David is concerned, he was not the eldest. He was not the natural choice, but he was David's choice, and I believe God's choice. But he had an older brother who was, who was the oldest surviving son of David. And the Bible said in verse number 5, 1 Kings 1, 5, Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time and saying, Why hast thou done so? He said, in other words, dad's always been pleased with me. Uh, 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 why hast thou done so? I mean, dad didn't, dad never told me I couldn't be king. That's what he's saying. Dad never told me I couldn't be king. <laughs> and I, 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 uh, he's always been pleased with me. Uh, he never said, why did you do that, son? And he also was a very goodly, he was a handsome man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. Absalom too was a, was a good looking fella. And so what does he do? Verse eight, he recruits Zadok. He's got a priest. And Nathan, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, excuse me, Joab, the captain of the host, verse 7, sorry, verse 7, confer with Joab, the son of Israel, and uh, Abiathar, the priest, and they followed him. But he didn't call Zadok. He didn't call Benaiah. He didn't call Nathan uh, and others. Why? Those are men that were loyal to David, and thus loyal to David's choice, Solomon. Here's what I want to show you. Adonijah exalted himself. Solomon humbled himself. Adonijah sought the throne. Solomon did not seek the throne. The throne sought him. Adonijah was self-appointed. Solomon was appointed by God and his father. And Adonijah went behind his dad's back. Look at verse number 11. Wherefore Nathan, I'm in chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, doth reign? And David, our Lord, knoweth it not? Hmm, I wonder why he didn't tell dad. I wonder why. i tell you why. Because he knew dad wouldn't approve. Right? And here he is going behind his dad's back. And Solomon is directed by his father. Let me tell you something. You need a humble spirit. I need a humble spirit. A hungry heart and a heart to understand. Adonijah wanted one thing. He wanted to rule. He wanted to reign. That's not the spirit that Solomon brought to the 
to the, to, to the palace, to, uh, 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 to the throne. He brought a heart of understanding. These people, I'm going to make decisions of people. There's a great nation and many people, and I'm so young, and I'm inexperienced, and my father's a wise man, and I need something I don't have. And Oh, yes, you can make me rich, God, and you can make me healthy, and I can live a long life, and you can give me victory over our, our enemies, but I want something more than that. I want to be able to understand the people People that I will serve. His wasn't about having a title and a position. That's what his older brother wanted. His was about serving people. And he said, I need an understanding heart. I need an understanding heart. I need to understand the people involved in these decisions. I need to understand their circumstances. Hey, remember when Jesus won the woman at the well? Remember when he won the woman at the well? The, the disciples are going in town to get something to eat, right? Jesus stayed back. And... They had to pass each other on the way in and out. The well's outside of town. Everybody went to the well. And uh, and so they're going in town to get some food. And uh, the, the lady is coming out. And Jesus wins her to himself. And she goes back into town. And she she started running, going to her friends and her old, uh, old, uh, old crowd. And she said, come here, a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, Jesus was very wise in the way he handled the situation. He said, ma'am, tell me about your husband. She said, I'm not married. He said, you're right about that. He said, "Uh, you have been married five times. And the man you're with right now, you're not married to. She said, you know my situation, don't you? He said, yeah, I know all about it. And you know what she did? She listened to him. He wasn't criticizing her. He wasn't scolding her. He's just saying... I know what you're in right now. I know what you're going through. And uh, she listened. And he talked. And told her about the, the water. That you drink that water, you'll never thirst again. She got so excited. She said, I believe it. I believe it. She got born again. And she went in town. She goes, you got to meet this man. He understands my situation. He knows my situation. He knows everything I ever did. And he still saved me. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad about that? For the mercy and grace of even God knows us. Amen. And He still loves us and saves us. Amen. You know what? That's what a leader needs. Somebody make wide decisions. Needs a heart to understand. Leaders, may I ask you a question? Could you try to see it from the follower's point of view? You know, you know. once in a while, we have to make decisions around here. Leadership has to make decisions. It's like you have to make decisions in your own home. Mom and dad, you have to make judgment calls. And in, in any kind of leadership, you have to make judgment calls. But isn't it good to try to remember what it was like when you were 12? You say, Pastor, I can't remember back that far. Wouldn't it be good for us all to try to remember what it was like when we were 16 and so forth? Hey, followers, you think maybe you could try to see it from the leader's point of view? You think maybe you could? Oh, what peace could be brought if we would take time to know and understand. I remember uh, 18 years old, went off to Bible college, got on a bus route. I never seen anything like that. I'm up there in Chicago. I remember getting uh, behind a, a car load of uh, two cars falling real close behind each other and, uh, and uh, c- coming up to an intersection and uh, stopped at the intersection and the car in the back jumped up, so it got jumped out of the car and ran over to the car in front of me and he had a, he had a, a, a radio with wires that had been taken out of somebody's car. I don't know. Anyway, but he had it in his hand and he went over to the car in front of him and took it and just smashed the windshield. Cursing and swearing. And I'm, I'm not. Man, I'm not in Catawba County anymore. 
And uh, I remember, I remember uh, one morning, uh, early pickups, about uh, eight o'clock or something like that, and uh, eight fifteen, knocking on doors. Okay, the bus will be here in thirty minutes or whatever. And waking kids up, and all of a sudden, and I, I'm I'm uh, in front of this apartment, two three story apartment, and the buildings, you know, about six or eight feet between buildings, you know, and little little walkways between the buildings, and an alley running behind the buildings. And it's eight eight fifteen. I'm, I'm eighteen years old, you know. It's first time ever in a big city like that. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear smash. I thought, oh man, somebody had a wreck. Then I heard smash. I thought. Another wreck. Then, smash! Smash! I said, what in the world? I go down between those buildings, and I get to the alleyway. There's a man drunk out of his mind. Sitting in the car, and somebody, I guess, had parked too close front behind him. And so he revved the engine, slammed in the reverse, and smashed the car behind him. And then revved the engine, slammed in drive, and smashed the car in front of him. He smashed about three cars deep that way and three cars deep that And I'm standing here going, he looks at me, I go, see you later, buddy, do whatever you want to do. I go, I never seen anything like that. I never seen anything like that. I remember, I remember one morning in the pickups and, and apartment building up here, and then one uh, apartment up here, apartment on this floor, and then the steps went down in a basement apartment. And I heard some screaming or something. And I was like, what in the world? And I walked around the corner, and literally, a man just, he, he was straddled over top of the lady, just boom, boom, just fist flying. I was like, i never seen that before. And I'm just standing there gawking, you know, like, what? I said, what are you doing? He looked at, up at me. I was like, never mind, never mind. Got her. Gave her enough time to jump up and take off running. I, I have no idea who it was, either one of them. I never saw anything like that. And um, we had a little boy named Brian on our bus route. Brian was demon-possessed, literally. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, and he was the most faithful kid on the bus. Why is that? Most faithful kid on the bus. Anyway, but he, oh, my soul, so ill-behaved. And he'd jump over the seats and, oh, just, anyway. And uh, we wouldn't sit down, wouldn't be quiet. And I remember my bus captain, Brother Max. And uh, here I am, brand new worker, you know. He said, uh, he said, Brother John, he said, go back there and take care of Brian. And I know, I, what, me? I'm new here, you know. And so anyway, but I had heard Dr. Ray Young, who preached here a few weeks ago, I would heard him talk about how if you could show your love and express your love, how to make a difference in people's lives. And I know to Brian. I couldn't get Brian to sit still. I want to put my hands around his neck, but decided against that. So what I did is I sort of half sat on top of him. And he's just a little guy, about maybe nine years old, something like that. Uh, and uh, I just sort of sat halfway on top of him, kind of shoved him up against the side of the, of the bus. And he's just squirming, you know. But I won. I was bigger than him. And uh, anyway, I just sort of pinched him up against the side of the bus and trying to get him to calm down. And uh, I thought about what Brother, Brother Young had said. I said, Brian, I said, listen, Brian... They said, we love you, buddy. Brian, I love you, man. Brother Max, the bus captain, loves you. Preacher loves you. I love you. I love you, Brian. I love you, Brian. I didn't know what else to do. And the, the program now is going on with about a 45-minute drive to church. And the program's going on with singing. And someone's giving up messages. And I just over and over again, Brian, I love you. Brian, I love you, buddy. I love you, Brian. I love you, Brian. And um, finally, he just settled down. He was just, just beat red and... I'm struggling, and finally his little body went limp, got tired. They just sort of slumped there. And I slid over a little bit, and we sang a few songs. And 
We weren't that far from the church. It would probably been 20, 30 minutes now after this. And little Brian looked up over and he tugged on me, my shirt like that. He said, Brother John, can I show you something? I said, sure. And that little guy lifted up his shirt and showed me his back where his dad had beat with an extension cord the night before. And all of a sudden, I understood. I understood why Brian behaved the way he did. Why he was so restless. Can I tell you something? If you want to make good decisions that affect people's lives, take time to get to know people's situation. Try to understand what people face and what folks are going through. Here, a 21-year-old young man, he said, I'm like a little child. Had a humble spirit. He said, please give me what I need. He had a hungry heart. Number three, he had a heart to understand. Number four, look what he said in verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern. Look at that word discern. We talked about this in our study of the book of Proverbs. The word discernment, we learn this, means well thought out. Well thought out. He said, give me this understanding heart to judge, to make good decisions that affect people's lives that I may discern, be able to think through between good and bad. Discernment means well thought out. Thinking through good and bad. Listen, you know what you need? You need discernment. What is that? That means you need to think something all the way through and separate the good and separate the bad. Here's, listen, you know, here's something about human nature. When we get something in our head that we want, we get very creative in justifying it. And when we get something in our head we want, or something we want, we want to purchase, a place we want to go, something we want to do, we get it in our head, and we can be so creative as to just how to justify that, but we never, we, we, many times we don't stop and think it all the way through to the end, and we don't weigh seriously the concept, the good against the bad. How many, many times, I mean, if you've done this, and, uh, and, uh, but many times in a decision, I said, well, okay, why don't you do this? Uh, Pastor, what should you do? I tell you what to do. First thing you do, get your piece of paper and a pencil and write down the good about this and then the potential negatives. What would be good about this? If you make this decision, if you do what you're thinking about doing, tell me the good that'll come out of it and then tell me the bad about it. And sometimes that's enough. When you get honest with yourself and you think it through and you write down a column of the pros and the column of the cons and you make that list and you think it through, you say, you know what, yeah, this would be good, but this right here wouldn't be so good. And the truth is, the truth is the pros do not outweigh the cons. In Deuteronomy 32, verse number uh, 28 and 29, uh, there's a fourth mention of uh, of uh, of. Uh, of counsel in the Bible. He said this. It's talking about the nation of Israel. They are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would, here it is, consider the latter end. God is, 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 had uh, uh, Moses to write a song about the nation. He told Moses before he died. He said, when you die, the nation's going to turn their back on me and they're going to go into idolatry. He said, write a song to remind them 
with a lot of love for them. And in that song, he, he, he bemoans the fact that the people did not think through. They did not have wisdom. They were void of counsel. They did not consider their latter end. Oh, listen, would that Elimelech and Naomi have done that? Elimelech and Naomi, they made a, a rash decision. They said, yeah, but pastor, we have to. It was a time of famine and we didn't have enough money to feed uh, uh, the family. And uh, pastor, what are we supposed to do? All right, how about this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And what did they do? They justified leaving the will of God and they went on down to Moab. And what happened? Elimelech died. The two boys died. And uh, Naomi, who was sweet, came back home bitter. And you know what had happened while she was gone? God had provided miracles for His people and took care of them. And they missed out on that, didn't they? They didn't think it through to the end. They didn't think it through to the end. Proverbs 16, 25 said, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Number five and last. You want to make good decisions? Number one, you need a humble spirit. Number two, a hungry heart. Number three, a heart to understand. Number four, discernment. And number five, Seek godly counsel. <laughs> Very simple, isn't it? Seek godly counsel. He said, well, I already know what my leader's going to say. Why do I need to go ask advice? I already know what he's going to say. Now, that's a classic right there. First of all, you don't know. What you did, you heard somebody who got advice. And I, let me just help you here. Somebody said, I went and got advice. This is the advice I got. First of all, <laughs> that may not be the best advice for you. But second of all, you didn't get it. You got a second hand. Please keep that in mind. And it don't always, you hear what you want to hear. We hear what we want to hear, right? And so, anyway, but here's the main reason. You, you say, well, I, I, already know, I already know what my dad's going to say. I already know what my mom's going to say. I know what my pastor's going to say. I know what my godly friend's going to say. I already know what's going to. You know what? Ask anyway. Why? You need to say it out loud. Why is that, Pastor? Because it sounds different out loud than it does in your head. <laughs> When you say, you know, uh, I, I, I was thinking about something. Go over to my counselor. I can't find a godly one, so I'll just use this one for now. But anyway, I was thinking about something. He said, well, what were you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about doing this. Oh, you were? Yeah. Uh, you see, I was, I, was, I was thinking about, see, what, what was it going to work out like this? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> just having to say it out loud. <laughs> Having to verbalize. It sounds so good in your head. That's why, listen, that's why you jump the gun and you do something. I'm not going to ask. Why? You're scared to death. Somebody's going to tell you not to do it. Now, how foolish is that? How foolish is that? He said, well, I know it's a good decision. Okay. If you know it's a good decision, then go. Why don't you find you a sounding board? Why don't you find you a godly person who walks in wisdom and just say, you know what? I think this is what God wants me And can I get your advice on this? And how much better would be the peace you'd have? And say, you get a confirmation from, 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 from a godly leader, a mom, dad, someone, and you get a, you get a confirmation. Then you can walk in confidence. Amen. But, 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 but you don't want to say it out loud. You see, the Bible said this, where no counselors, the people fall. The Bible said the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. The Bible said without counsel, purposes are disappointed. And twice it says, in the multitude of counselors, they are established. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety, the Bible said. Can I tell you something? Remember Psalm 1, blesses the man that walketh not what? In the counsel of the ungodly. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Would you notice this twice in the book of Proverbs, you find that little phrase, a multitude of counselors. Do you know who ought to be in that multitude for you? A uh, spiritual leader. If you don't mind me saying, and uh, I'll just go to my own horn for just a moment, your pastor ought to be in that. Not because it's me, though I am a wonderful person, but whoever your pastor is, you ought to go to your pastor. Is that all right for me to say that tonight? I tell you, yes, you, ought to go to, you ought to go to a wise person. 1 Corinthians 12a, I believe, says that God gives a double portion of wisdom to some people. And if you know somebody in your life that's wise, that has made, knows, knows how to make good decisions, and has made good decisions, that would be a great sounding board for you. I think it ought to include somebody who is successful in the area you need wisdom. Some of you need relationship help. Don't go to, listen, I need some help in my marriage. Well, why are you talking to your friends? He's been divorced four times. Why do you get why do you get relationship from Oprah? Why why do you go to somebody who's been married for a good while and has a marriage that uh, that you admire, somebody that loves the Lord and somebody that walks with God and someone that's uh, familiar with this book right here? And why don't you ask somebody who succeeded? Hey, look, uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know everything, but sometimes people say, "Pastor, what do you think about this?" I say, "I think you should talk to so and so." That's what I think. Because I'm not, I'm not qualified to talk to you in this area. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can point to you. Uh, just in the last good night, just the last uh, month or so, uh, more than one time, someone's come to me, and I said, let me tell you something. I'm not the man to answer that question, but I'll tell you who is. And I was able to point someone to somebody who had wisdom in that area. Uh, uh, somebody who succeeded. Look, look at you. anybody can theorize, anybody can theorize, but not too many people can say, I've done this and I've done it well. Let me tell you what works and what doesn't. Godly parents ought to be in your multitude of counselors. Someone who can keep confidence is someone who ought to be in that multitude of counselors. And in Proverbs 27, 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) The sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. You know what you need? A good godly friend that will tell you the truth. You know what a real friend will do? A, f- a real friend is somebody who will speak the truth to you in love, who's more concerned about telling you the truth than they are about being popular with you. Or if you're, Listen, if your best friends are just people who gripe along with your gripes and whine when you whine, if that's your friend, is somebody who just whines when you want to whine and someone who gripes when you gripe. But the, the real friend is the one to say, I love you, but you're wrong on that. You need to look at it a different way. You need a friend like that. You need a friend who will speak the truth in love. Seek godly counsel. Hey, Solomon, 21 years old. You can have anything you want. Really? Yeah, anything you want. I'm so impressed you love me. This act of worship and all these sacrifices and you want—you have anything you want. God, I feel like a little kid. I'm not qualified for this job. I know you put me here. I need a heart to understand so I can make good judgments and discern between good and bad so I can be to the people what they need me to be. Here's there something in your heart tonight that says, I want to make good decisions. What do you need? A humble spirit, a hungry heart, a heart to understand, discernment, and good counsel. Let's stand together, shall we? Father.